to Chatty AS, the Anime Feminist Podcast. My name is Caitlin, a writer and editor for Anime Feminist, as well as the owner of the blog Heroin Problem. Joining me today are Ashley and Leanne. Hi, I'm Ashley. I run a shoujo manga podcast called Shoujo Intel. I'm Leanne Centaur. I'm marketing manager at Seven Seas Entertainment and editor at Sparkler Monthly. So today we are talking about a subject very near and dear to all of our hearts. Uh, shoujo manga. Yay. So, shoujo, <laughs> yay. <laughs> shoujo, shoujo manga, uh, if you are not uh, aware of, of what that is, is basically manga and anime aimed at girls. Um, it was, you know, originally created more or less as a marketing term, I believe. Um, shoujo is... Uh, in addition to the uh, sort of uh, thematic writing um, and storytelling approaches uh, is separated out by what is advertised in magazines. <laughs> um, so a shoujo manga magazine is going to have a lot of ads for things like makeup and clothes, whereas a series aimed at other demographics will have advertisements aimed at other at their uh, target demographics um and that is really the probably the one true defining trait of shoujo manga versus others because the lines get a little blurry sometimes yeah. the, they usually say whatever whatever demographic the magazine that it ran in is aimed at that's kind of your official label even though you know, there are some things that are technically shown in, for example, the ancient Magus's bride. I think is technically right. in a shonen magazine and stuff. So, um, mm-hmm. or um, Horimiya, I hear called shoujo manga a lot. Yep. Or uh, I think but it, technically Black Butler is a shonen. <laughs> yeah, that's a shonen jump. I think. No, I think it's G Fantasy or something. It's a square. I'm pretty sure it's a Square Enix title. Mm. No, not shonen. <laughs> That would be a bit. No, much. someone someone lied to me. That someone, oh, well. <laughs> someone lied to me. So that is more or less what shojo is. Uh, less officially, it does tend to have uh, more emotionally driven and romance driven stories, um, and less action driven. But that is not a hard and fast rule. Um, so. Let's first talk about how exactly we got into shoujo. For me personally, my first shoujo anime was Fushigi Yugi. Mm. Um, yeah. Which I, <laughs> <laughs> which I have talked about at length uh, on this podcast. <laughs> um, but if you have not listened to the Fushigi Yugi watch, uh, watch along, basically I was 12 years old. I had never really seen anything like it. It was uh, a series about a girl going on adventures, having these trials. And that really wasn't something that existed very much for 12-year-old me. You know, uh, and so, you know, when I read it, it was like, oh, this is a story with things I like, adventure, fantasy, action, but with a girl and her emotions as the main focus. Twelve's a bit young to <laughs> watch <laughs> Shigi. I know. 
I know. <laughs> but at the same time, like, if I hadn't seen, gotten into Fushigi Yugi after, like, you know, the classic at the time entry point of uh, Studio Ghibli and Ranma One Half, um, I, I don't know if anime would have been a lifelong thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Fushigi Yugi is very important to me, very near and dear to my heart. Um, so that was sort of what kept me going with shoujo manga for, uh, a long time was, uh, you know, stuff like that, like Magic Knight Ray, or basically all the Isekai series, mm-hmm. um, because it showed, you know, young women like me being capable, um, and important and maybe making mistakes but also sort of leading the story i would jump in to say that my my experience is actually very similar to caitlin at least in regards to shoujo manga slash anime um i also watched fy around the age of 12 to 13 which is yes definitely too young but yeah didn't didn't um, mess you guys up like i I was like 15 or 16 when i watched that i was like whoa okay yes yes it It did did. (laughs) you can trace particular traumas to that yeah well (laughs) literally yes (laughs) i had it i got into it with a bunch of friends so i think that that was like maybe helpful in making yeah. it less traumatic um, mitigate some of that content <laughs> yeah um but like yeah we were all just really into you know like oh you know who's the hottest celestial warrior but it was also great because yeah it was about two female friends and i watched like so many cartoons like i would watch you know i didn't have cable or anything growing up but like saturday morning cartoon lineup watched five hours of that straight but it's all like mostly dude shows right like it was like superhero shows and i don't know i remember like static shock and like maybe there's some pokemon in there eventually and stuff like that Mm. um but then like escaflone is the thing that like really started this and Mm. then from there my friend recommended fy and then we got really into that and then from there it goes further into shoujo manga like we were like okay we're gonna get farther into manga we're all gonna buy more Watase things like Watase is probably the one mangaka that we like knew <laughs> as a person oh yeah uh oh yeah yeah she was super important to me when I was growing up yeah, yeah so, well like, she from, keeps turning out worse. the good stuff you know I, I like know. I, I think she's might be slowing down now she's had chronic health problems for a really long time mm-hmm. I think that she said the current Shigeyuki she's working on is the last one and which makes sense right she's on the fourth girl yeah. but <laughs> um, I, I almost wonder if she's slowing down kind of in general, maybe. Yeah, you know, I mean, she's been doing it for so long, and manga writing is just really bad for your health. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. honestly, the anime and manga industry is very exploitative. Oh, yeah, for sure. No. But we won't. <laughs> she works noon to midnight but, every day. That's, or that's what oh she said gosh, in an interview a while ago. I couldn't survive that. No. I would burn out so fast. Really um, awful. Sometimes I feel like sometimes I feel like close to that because I do like I do freelance writing on top of a full time job. But like, oh no! Like, and for for as long as she's been doing it too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's. It feels like she's actually been slowing down. She, you know, took like hiatus. She takes more hiatuses, I guess. Is a mm-hmm. like there was a long hiatus when Genbu Kaiden was coming out, and now mm-hmm. yeah. Yako is coming out but who knows she might have to go on hiatus for that I don't know there's only like a volume out 
I mean, she's... Well, let me think. Well, she's been doing it. She debuted quite young. I'm pretty sure her debut, like, she was, like, 18 or 19. Um, yeah. Because yeah. so, Fushigi she was 22 when she started, and she had already done the yeah, series before right. that. So, I mean, so that was 20 years ago. Well, actually, more like 25. Well, I, I feel like Fushigi the manga was... It aired on TV in 96, so it probably started as it a manga. It started in 1992. Was it 92? Jeez. It was 92. Like Sailor Moon. <laughs> well, actually, that's when the anime Sailor Moon started, I think. Wow. Yeah, so she's... I mean, if I were her, I'd probably stop. <laughs> or like, or, you know, yeah. just go to novel she- writing or something that's just a little bit less hard on your body, maybe. You know? Mm-hmm. She had a number of novels that she sort of... I mean, I think they had somebody else write them, but, you know, they were a bunch of series novels. Yeah, she out, she did the outline for the Fushigi novels. Mm. That eventually got animated. So it was cool. Unfortunately. <laughs> well, uh. I mean, I, okay. Like, if you want to argue with the story on that, fine. But I always like when kind of spinoff stuff ends up being folded into the, the, the biggest format canon. So, like, mm-hmm. when you get these spinoff things that get put into the anime that was true with like world's greatest first love i think too i think that there was a whole couple that was literally just in novel form and they just kind of put them in with the other guys but leanne how did you get into shoujo manga sailor moon like a lot of women Mm -hmm. of my age (laughs) i was uh 14 when it first started coming out in uh on on american tv dubbed and that was there wasn't much else anime at the time. It was basically that and Dragon Ball debuted similar, similarly um, on American TV, like around the same time. And all the dudes were into Dragon Ball. And uh, a lot of girls were into Sailor Moon. Like, it, it wasn't just the nerds. It was, like, the cool girls and stuff. So um, I got kind of in that way. And also it was just completely different from everything else I'd seen before. Just anything from Japan. I mean, at that point, there had been, like, a little bit of, like, Aiko project aiko i don't know if you guys are familiar that's a really old oh no i've heard of yeah it. i mean it, it was one of the earlier like anime ovas that came over here um i think even mm-hmm. like cartoon network put some of the movies on or, or the sci-fi channel or something crazy it was just one of those early experimental things like ninja scroll you know we're, we're talking like <laughs> sort of early to mid 90s stuff but uh yeah sailor moon was and then i got a job in it shortly after so there was yeah <laughs> So, and, and, um, like what, so I think we are all sort of saying similar things in that, like, we had never really seen anything like shoujo manga, uh, when we came across it. So like what exactly was personally appealing about it? Was it just that it was, you know, like I said, girls taking charge, um, being the focus. Was that mostly it? I mean, yeah, there was like kind of centralizing um, female characters and kind of what they felt and what they were going through as sort of at the central narrative. Um, I thought kind of the way they dealt with boys was very different too. Um, instead of kind of having, mm. you know, the one boy <laughs> or in the case, I mean, Sailor Moon had the one boy to be fair, but like, um, <laughs> everything beyond Sailor Moon, I should say, uh, you know, Shigugi is is a great example of that. There was like, here's a cavalcade of hot dudes. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it kind of she ended up being bounced between two. The way that you know, even kind of YA fiction for girls and stuff have moved. Um, there's often like a love triangle, so there's two different guys. Um, but just kind of being surrounded by that and having options and just feeling that everything from you know not just the main girl but also the boys around her and and, and the story construction 
was all catering to women 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. Like, th- there was no point where it was, like, they expected boys to be able to relate. <laughs> right. There was, there was no, like, uh, fellas sort of moment. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, like, and even when you have things that, like, would maybe be a you know in in hollywood or something if you have like a girl in the bath might be sort of like the oh let's see this famous actress's boobs even when they did scenes like that in shoujo was like you could tell it was because they were feeling vulnerable at the time they're sitting in the bathtub you know or it's supposed Mm -hmm. to be relatable or if anybody's going to get get turned on it's going to be women who are attracted to women like it was still marketed to to women and girls right so like to me that kind of like being catered to on every level was just awesome (laughs) you know like at no point did i feel like i was not supposed to be in the front row right in the splash zone like this is Mm -hmm. all girls you should be with all your your girlfriends and you should all get together and watch this together and who cares if boys don't want it so much of especially like western media um which does not separate by gender quite as much as japan does so much of it is like they are terrified of boys not wanting to watch um, and mm-hmm. shoujo yeah, absolutely. does not give a fuck. <laughs> so. <laughs> that's that's so true. I was just thinking that like I everything, even stuff that has like a largely female cast or like you know female main characters, like there's always like at least one moment where it's like, and here's for the boys, yeah. or it's just like and it's, male writers who just the the mm-hmm. women are just really unrealistic or unlikable, mm-hmm. um, just. Yeah, that like e- e- from the top to the bottom, the the creation of shoujo is just. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there are men involved sometimes for sure. Like there are male editors, there are male animators, that, there are male directors. Yeah. But it's like they kind of have to know how to play the game to even get in the door. And I know that um, Naoko Takeuchi, the the mangaka of, of Sailor Moon, has way back in the day I was reading interviews with her, and she said that like, oh, the manga is going to feel very different from the, or rather, the manga will feel different from the anime. Because the anime is mostly animated by men. Whereas the manga is, you know, I drew that. Uh, even though she had famously had a male editor, um, there, I mean, the, the uncompromising power of femininity in her manga is, it's like an epic poem. Like, I never thought Sailor Moon, the manga, was that much of a Sentai show, was that much of, like, you know, a, a superhero story. It kind of started that way, and it went full-on kind of, like, existential artistry about like femininity and the various forms of femininity that are all valid and you know women getting it on with other women and men wanting to dress like women or men wanting to become women or like every variation of feminine power you could possibly think of and it was all done in a really awesome artsy kind of style which at the time when I was reading as a teenager I kind of didn't get (laughs) but as an adult like I'm very glad that she was kind of 100% 100% uncompromising on that. That every story that she wanted to tell was about feminine power. Coded in a, uh, in a lot of different ways. There was no one version of feminine power either. You know, which um, most people know famously because of, like, Sailor Jupiter, who is kind of a tough girl. Um, and then they expanded into, like, the 19,000 sailors <laughs> of all different types. All right. My confession is that I have not actually seen very much Sailor Moon. <laughs> Most of what I know about it is from cultural osmosis. Also have to admit that I've watched like 30 episodes semi-recently though, so hmm. there is that. I mean, I think it stands up pretty well, but it 
it's not something that I return to a lot because it was more it was really important when I was a was a teenager and growing into a woman to see that kind of mm -hmm. material and it, it oh, left yeah. a profound effect on me but I don't really go back to it because mm -hmm. it, it was specifically kind of a growth experience and I know different people yeah. feel differently about that some people they are still go back and watch Sailor Moon when they're having a bad day and like more power to them but to me it was like and that's when I think people should be reading and watching Sailor Moon when they're like not sure how to be a woman because it's like here's right. the 10 trillion ways that you are already a woman and why it gives you magic <laughs> yeah um yeah Ashley do you have anything that's like that was a uh particular to shoujo for you other than what we've already talked about yeah i mean i think also just the general prettiness of the art is not something that is typically done in western animation mm -hmm. that i was like oh all the flowers yeah, all the flowers like everybody and bubbles everybody not just like hot dudes looking hot but the girls look really pretty like it was just mm -hmm. great that way and yeah in terms of like uh having dude options as well as like <laughs> it's like watching cartoons like I had a big struggle with femininity from like I played ice hockey but only on all male teams and like I would get mm -hmm. upset if people said I looked cute and stuff like I cried when my coach said I looked cute in a dress once because I did not want to wear a dress and I didn't want to mm. be different <laughs> and stuff um, so like those types of things so then like that's when I'm like seven so then watching shoujo anime and reading shoujo manga was helpful in being like, this is not so bad. Like I could identify, like I was actually supposed to objectify those dudes in shoujo manga in a way. <laughs> um, <laughs> whereas, you know, otherwise watching cartoons, like you're kind of doing it as a girl, but knowing that that story is not made for you. Um, mm -hmm. And like, it's cool to identify with the male character, but it's still annoying that like dudes would never identify with a female character in the same way. Um, so it was just, it was just like a very good transitional thing for me, uh, to help me realize in my struggle for femininity that it's like, okay to have feelings, seriously. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, um, being beautiful is cool. Like, <laughs> that's fine. So like, yeah, uh, we sort of talked about like a lot of the best things about shoujo manga. And I do want to throw in also like, not just like the way it is supportive of femininity and like the female perspective but also like the emotionality of it um like the it's very shoujo manga tends to be very um emotionally driven and very focused on like the characters thoughts and feelings and perspectives and i feel like that has always been really important to me like from my early fandom days like I would write like like the introspective fan fiction or like write like really melodramatic yes, stuff right. even Good like stuff, even when mean. I was just in <laughs> when I was into Animorphs I would just write all these like melodramatic scenarios yeah. it's just like well before shoujo manga it. touched my life <laughs> yeah. well I, I used to joke with my friends like shonen is all about the goal of shoujo is about the journey I think of so many shoujo series that they start with a premise that they ditch almost immediately in favor of something that was more fun. A really good example of that is High School Debut, which like... Oh, I just started reading that. <laughs> oh, oh, I love it. It is, yeah. it is a delight. You are going to love it. But volume one is 
completely different from volume two and on because it was like oh this is this cool guy and he's gonna teach me to be cool and then it's like yeah. no actually we're all a bunch mm-hmm. of giant dorks so let's, let's yes. just goof off and have fun and who cares um and there are quite a few shoujo like that uh that kind of spiral in the best sort of way <laughs> kind mm-hmm. of anything by yoshiki nakamura is good she does um skip beat but before she did skip beat, okay she did tokyo crazy paradise which is like the best <laughs> it's like the best manga ever and it will never come over here because the art is too ugly and dated um but it was <laughs> she actually combines shoujo and shonen tropes in a way that's very interesting and also completely batshit i highly mm. recommend her i don't know if you guys have read Skip i actually beat. i read quite a bit of skip beat i actually ended up dropping it partially because it sort of got away from the central premise yes which which was which was that was interesting to me like i liked the the angry heroine i liked who was like motivated by spite revenge and once (laughs) that sort of started not being a thing as much anymore i was like "Mm." yeah all her stuff goes less interested totally off the rails like and i don't think entirely by design but it's just the way that she writes and then she'll do things like break the fourth wall she'll turn metaphors literal like she just kind of whenever she feels like doing something mm-hmm. weird she'll do it and that that's why i really like her as a mangaka because she's constantly surprising me and you have to have a very high s- suspension of disbelief in her stuff cuz her premises are always out of just out of the stratosphere weird um i'm glad skip beats <laughs> doing well because that's not something that I thought would be super marketable <laughs> the way that she writes where she's like, I'm bored with this thing now and I'm going to do this other, you know, wacky thing. But, um, yeah. I mean, the central conflict, it's like trying to get back at her ex-boyfriend. I mean, I, there was like 13 volumes where he wasn't even in it anymore. Cause it really wasn't about him. It was about her trying to like decide if she needed, like if she had, if she was able to let go of hate in her heart, um, that he was kind of like, who cares about what happens to him? I, I need to live my life. And is this something I can let go? And then as she's peeling away the layers of crazy, it's like, oh boy, there's a lot of shit to unpack here. <laughs> <laughs> I will admit that I've only uh, watched the anime of Skip Beat, but this does remind me of one of the things that I love about shoujo manga is the focus on female friendships in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah like i really got into like watching skip beat i was like i don't care about whatever this dumb romantic drama that's happening um <laughs> and i feel similarly about stuff like kimini Todake. like i'm like eh, okay whatever <laughs> like yeah this romance is fine but like i am here for the three main females and their friendship like let's be real here <laughs> um and that that's basically how i felt about like watching skippy like i liked watching them be like initially always kind of rivals because you know they're in a very competitive like modeling acting business mm. but then they always become friends and i was like yes that's i'm i'm here for this like yeah <laughs> yeah the female friendships in that one were really good i i happen to actually really like the love story in skip beat mostly because um her actual love interest ren saruga is like in my top five shoujo hero of all time that dude <laughs> I mean, that's is fair. messed up and they oh. kind of go into it over time but it's like again batshit insane the levels of like crazy that all of them are dealing with and some of them are good crazy and some of them are like, oh boy, I got to mm-hmm. fix this. Like, I, I got to get over this yeah. trauma. I got to, you know, stop doing th- And he, like, especially in that series, because they're performers, it goes into why somebody would be an actor in a 
totally different way from most things. Like, it's not about being famous. It's not about performing. It's about, like, if you can't find your own identity, sometimes it's easier to take on somebody else's. And Ren is so deep in his own shit that he doesn't even know who he is anymore. And she doesn't know which one is him because he keeps having all these personas. And she's like, which one is the real one? And it's kind of, like, hinted at. And he's got an eating disorder that, like, took this really weird format that I totally loved. Where if he hates something, he'll, like, write it on a alma rice and eat it and he's like eat your fear and it's amazing <laughs> so now now you're making me want to start reading it again I i'm waiting it. for it to finish it's so long yeah yeah it, it's <laughs> waiting for definitely those 60 volumes long. to end or whatever yeah. and and she even said that like you know the author's note she's like apologizing she's like this arc is supposed to be a book and a half and i'm on like book eight and just i'm really sorry why are people still paying me to write this so but people love it, so yeah. she can do pretty no, much whatever I, she wants. I really want it to go on forever. Like, Skip Beat <laughs> is the shoujo, is like the shonen equivalent in shoujo, right? At this point. Like, it that's is. how I think yeah. of it. And so there's I like, want it to go on forever. What is, there's like tournament sections what? in it, too. Like, who's the better actor? <laughs> and it gets into the whole, like, everybody having a reaction shot and people trying to outact each other in real time. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> Mong is great. Why? <laughs> awesome um so that uh yeah you know what i i actually there was one thing in particular that made me drop show, uh skip beat which is a personal issue for me um just sort of something that i cannot really deal with in fiction and they were when it was ren was like first starting to be interested in um kyoko um, and he was like feeling bad cause she's high school age and he's, you know, he's an adult and like a bunch of people were like, Oh, four years, isn't that much difference. Uh, and if you don't get her now, someone else is going to come along and snatch her up. And that just sort of like, uh, kind of set off my creep, <laughs> my creep meter. And I wasn't. Like I said, like I was a little bit over it anyway, and that just sort of led me to like putting it down and never picking it back yeah. up. Yeah, I uh. would say in Skip Beat's defense, a, there's a lot of really creepy stuff that is kind of shown, and that that's one of them to be shown that that is the outside influences that they are feeling. Um, there's even kind of like an attempted rape and stuff that, well, sort of, that happens later, and they're kind of addressing like, oh, this is how it's going to be dealt with in the press. And she's like, okay, I can decide how I'm going to deal with it, and then I can decide... Like, the press is kind of a separate issue. Um, and not everything is handled super well. Um, I thought Ren's deliberations over her age were very realistic. Uh, it's made clear over the course of the series that this is a real issue for him. He's thinking, like, I fully believe that, because uh, I haven't read the last couple volumes. Like, I'm a few volumes behind. I think I stopped somewhere in, like, the, <laughs> the 30s. Um, that once they get together they're basically going to get married and have kids like like they've done all of the stuff you do with somebody you're going to marry like the way that they've built their relationship um and it, i one thing i also really liked about it is that it showed that he had a sexual history i mean he's what is he 20 he's older but he's he's not that old 20 or 22 or something um and a lot of the time in shojo they'll kind of be like oh he's you know, he's never been with a girl, or whatever, and it's like, he's the hottest guy in Hollywood, of course he's he's had sex with women. And they kind of brush upon that 
and he also compares it to how different this situation is that he's like well i you know i've had relationships so i know what i'm getting into and she's younger than me and i know that this is different and how am i going to handle this and i really liked that i mean he acted more like an adult the way that people in shoujo a lot of the time adults do not act like adults especially if they're like a love interest but i i thought his whole thing was just really interesting like it was an actual kind of conflict but also you could see how it would work despite it being you know right and yeah and shoujo manga is actually it's it i'm i'm looking at my bookshelf and I'm looking at fruits basket right now as i say <laughs> this like so shoujo and, and shoujo manga is not afraid to tackle difficult topics right. like whether or not they succeed with it is another thing um because I feel like when they do well with it, it can it's really, really powerful. And I mean, like, shoujo is such a broad category, right? Like, there's always going to be some good stuff and some bad stuff that handles certain things well, stuff that handles certain things poorly. But it's like, um, like fr I'm looking at Fruits, like fruits Basket and um, uh, uh, Utena and... Um, Paradise Kiss, which is, I guess... Jose, but um, which is also a mixed bag and how well it handles things. But you know, so but you know, just what what are someone some of uh, Shoujo's weaknesses, broadly speaking, as well? Like what uh, what are some things that you see that recur across the like the sort of demographic frequently that it's just like uh, no. Do you want to start? Ashley? Please don't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ashley, you want to go first? It's your turn. I'm thinking, I'm trying to, I mean, we've discussed briefly, like, age gap romances, and of course, you know, talking about how it handles difficult topics, of course there are some that do it well, but I'm thinking, like, recently I've been reading Takane and Hana, which mm. is, like, silly, oh. but, like, the whole premise is that the, it's a massive age gap, like, he's 26 or something, and like rich and needs to marry somebody uh and she's like taking the place of her older sister because like the older sister was like i have a boyfriend i don't want to marry this rich dude whatever um so then the younger sister is like in high school and like they keep like it's supposed to be silly it's gag i'm like i laugh at this but i'm also like i hate this whole premise like i i don't know how to reconcile those feelings <laughs> um, <laughs> And it's just like, yeah, like sometimes I'll just read stuff and be like, I don't know, I, I just, it takes it too far, like it's not given the gravity that it deserved in a way, sort of thing. I think that's what always bothers me in any type of fiction is when something really big happens, but it's like not given the weight that it kind of deserved. And as long as you, even if you, like I think FY stumbles a lot with much of its, uh, you know, darker issues, but I think that you know, at least Watase knows that they're dark issues and that they're hard and, like, will portray it in a way that is nuanced, if not nuanced, at least, like, is serious. So I'm like, okay, I can forgive any stumbles or, like, understand them in this context. Um, right. Yeah. And I feel like Fushigi Yugi takes certain things seriously that other shoujo manga tends not to. Mm. Like... You know, uh, one very fair criticism of it is that it overuses sexual assault. Yeah, right. there's a lot of it. Uh, a lot. There's a lot of it. But it does, like, other than, I mean, there are two sort of two kinds of sexual assault in Fushigi Yugi. There's the kind where 
Hodohori and or Tamahome do not uh, understand the concept of boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but there's also, you know, there's uh, times when the that whole arc where the Seiyu warriors are like, okay, our plan is to assault Miyaka so that she cannot summon a god. Right. Yeah. Right. And, like, that was really frustrating and exhausting, but at the same time, it did take the assault seriously because um and tamahomi is generally a pretty good boyfriend because uh what i'm getting to here which is probably very predictable for anyone familiar with my work is that a lot of shoujo manga has abusive boyfriends mm-hmm. yeah. yep um and leanne i know you wrote like a blog post about that many years ago <laughs> yeah i think it was like uh, 2006 <laughs> or something um and i've been doing like an ongoing series um on heroin problem sort of taking a look at different you know at a broad sampling of shoujo manga and um being like you know how like what are, are they romanticizing here what are they forgiving here what are they portraying as acceptable that no it is not acceptable um and there's a lot of just uh, like a lot of like touching without consent, a lot of verbal abuse. Um, I'm currently working my way through Boys Over Flowers, and that series Ooh. is just a hot mess. You got to get out of some of this um, '90s stuff. I mean, they got, yeah. <laughs> I actually have very little '90s stuff in there. Uh, this was a big I just, thing like, in the '90s. <laughs> yeah, like, Boys Over Flowers is at the only '90s series that I've been looking at for an extended period, and I'm just getting started on Hanukimi. Which is actually oh, a very yeah. lovely series. Yeah, no, that's. Um, but like <laughs> that series is super know, tame. <laughs> I I read uh, Blackbird. Oh yeah, I mean that's a shoujo smut. Like the ones yeah, with more like, sex listen. tend to have more edge. You know, there's not a lot of sweet sex <laughs> yeah. ones. They're they're usually edgy. Which I wish there was. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean I think um, I would say, like, maybe some Otome games, but they do tend to wrap the, the bad roots and the sex roots together pretty closely, so it, it is tricky. Probably, like, Horimiya is not shoujo, but it does handle sex really, really well. And, like, even, like, like kinky sex, like, it, you know, it, like, I read Blackbird and I get it, like, it's a sort of a kind of a kink thing in a lot of ways, that this dangerous boyfriend who, like, yells at her and they give e- give themselves to each other so fully please don't uh, he's also a literal monster romantic- <laughs> yeah like like please don't romanticize codependence please um in addition to romance romanticizing everything else um but yeah and i'm also going to be starting hot gimmick and uh honey hunt soon. no don't okay honey- no, hot, hot gimmick yes. is the worst <laughs> hot gimmick, i mean listen to i've read <laughs> hot gimmick <laughs> I also hate how easy to read they oh, are. Oh, she's an amazing mangaka. Like, oh my so gosh. much of what she does like, is I... <laughs> amazing and morally reprehensible. When I check out, like, each week's books from the library, the first one I read is Boys Over Flowers, because I can't stop myself, but I hate it the whole time. <laughs> um, so, like, that that's always been a big sticking point with me with shoujo manga. Um, that and also... Um, they always marry their first love. Mm, yeah. <laughs> they always get married. Don't like, read Itazura and the Kiss then. 
And that that is honestly one of the lessons that I took away from shoujo manga that I shouldn't is that like if you marry your best love your first love then that's like you know the most romantic thing ever and uh because and I've brought this up on this podcast before I stayed in my first relationship for way way longer than I should have because it's like no I love him he's my first love (laughs) it's we're gonna make it last forever no it didn't yeah yeah that's kind of tricky like I it when we talk about stuff that annoys us about shoujo, mine is kind of a, a broader thing that ties into a lot of these things. And it's the way mm-hmm. that the story acknowledges the patriarchy. This is something that's very common, mm-hmm. not just in shoujo, but in Jose. And it takes a lot of different forms. But it's like, it's when you have a girl, let's say a teen girl, who's really good at things and you know the people around her respect her and her boyfriend you know she gets along with her boyfriend whatever and something will happen and they're like you're a girl after all and you hear even that a lot so it's either when Mm -hmm. like like you let your guard down is another common thing where it's like a you know Mm -hmm. a boy will push her on the bed or something or i hate that yeah debate whether or not he's gonna sexually assault her in her sleep and that's supposed to be romantic it's also like um jose I actually have a lot of difficulty reading a lot of Jose because they're so depressing to me because the way that they they very directly acknowledge the patriarchy in those because a lot of them have to do with office politics or something. And a lot of them are about the compromises you make to succeed and find happiness despite the patriarchy. And very few of them are about overcoming the patriarchy. I'm seeing more right. now that are like, you know, especially the series that are kind of about otaku and Fujoshi that are a little bit like, uh, I never played by the system's rules anyway, so it's fine, who cares? <laughs> um, and those are really fun, but Otakoi. they start with the premise that it's like, okay, you are kind of already a fallen woman, so what does it matter? And, like, the the various things that they, they will undercut a woman's confidence by reminding her that she will still never have the status of a man or she will still never truly be safe around men, that always really mm-hmm. bothered me. And... Yeah, like and it, there are very few shoujo that truly overcome that, and the ones that do, or at least do it most of the time, are the ones that I ended up going back to over and over. My favorite, well, one of my favorite shoujo, because it's very hard to boil it down to favorites. Um, <laughs> like Basada is like my go-to shoujo. Oh yes, and because every volume of now, granted, Basada was everybody in Japan's go-to shoujo for the entire 90s. So it's like, there was a lot riding <laughs> that on banana that. banana fish, right? Yeah, it's considered like one of the greatest ones. But every volume of that made me want to go out and be a better person and do more for the for the world. Mm-hmm. Because it's about, and, and the fact that, you know, for anybody who doesn't know the premise of Basada, it's like a post-apocalyptic Japan. It's kind of a desert fantasy, or rather a desert sci-fi, I guess. There's no actual magic in it from what I can remember. Um, I think just <laughs> sometimes miracles happen, but... Um, destined warriors yeah there's like a little bit of sort of mysticism in it but um there's a there's a a a pair of male and female twins the boy is said to be the boy of destiny who's gonna like rise up and defeat the evil king and then he is killed in a raid and then his twin sister cuts her hair and is like no i'm the boy of destiny and basically decides to live as him and lead the peasants to revolution against the king whom, by the way, <laughs> she meets later in a like a hot spring with her clothes off by accident, bumps into him, doesn't know who he is, he doesn't know who she is, um, and they kind of meet and connect and they sort of have sexual tension and they split. And there's these two storylines that go forward, like the two of them, like he'll put on his armor 
and be standing on his castle and she'll put on like her boy clothes and be in the, with the peasants and they'll be like screaming at each other and willing to die to kill each other and then when they have their day off they keep bumping into each other in their other forms and being like oh it's my secret boyfriend who goes by this name or whatever without knowing who they actually are like it's 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 so amazing it's so good and, like and the way that her femininity is shown as to be strength specifically feminine traits things like empathy um they say one of the reasons that like she's basically get, it's a long series it's like 25 volumes she goes around the world and is gathering these people to to join her force to overcome the the, the various kings there's actually four kings and there's she has like really weird relationships with a couple of them um but they said one of the reasons people will go and die for her in battle is every time she rides out she cries because she's thinking of all the people who aren't going to come back and they're like i that's the reason why I follow her. And most people don't know that she's a woman. Some people do, like her inner circle does. Um, but just the fact that, like, you would be sad enough to cry is shown as, like, your greatest strength as a warrior. Right. Um, they do and, really cool um, things with her period in it. <laughs> it's just, like, there's all <laughs> kinds of great stuff. Yeah. Um, and another thing I really liked about specifically talking about how shoujo manga handles the patriarchy um, in ba- uh, Basara is that everyone assumed that her brother was the boy of destiny because the prophet like looked at them as like this is the child of destiny and everyone's like well it's gotta be the boy like but no like it it was her the whole time but no one thought no one thought of that because she's the girl um yeah god boss her is so good it's so good um but yeah like um you know going back to like sort of talking about like how they discuss like how girls should be oh you're a girl after all like a couple of different series came to mind one was the manga version of Kare Kana oh god oh which god which is a lot a <laughs> lot of issues but one that got me before things really really started going to shit um like was um Tonami and I want to say Tsubaki um, which was she had bullied him as a child because uh, he was fat and weak-willed and he came back hot <laughs> and he was like huge. I'm going to make her f- yeah tall hot and tall um, <laughs> he's like I'm going to make her you know get my revenge on her by making her fall in love with me or, and then breaking her heart or whatever um and she's, you know, and she's an athlete, like, but there's a lot of emphasis putting on, like, when he's starting to fall in love with her for real, like, he's like, she's so, she's so frail and small, like, yeah. that's like, uh, oh, God, you know, oh, she's, oh, God, uh, yeah, Car- um, or, um, what was the other example I had in my, oh, uh, Blue Spring Ride. Oh, that one I haven't read, um, actually. I haven't, yeah. It just got licensed by Shoujo B. I haven't yeah. read it, but I've seen the anim- most of the anime. Um, I didn't, but like, uh, and that has one of those like pushing her down. Oh, you shouldn't let your guard down scenes as well. Um, but like her whole thing is that when she was in middle school, the girls hated her because all the boys thought she was cute. Um, so when she gets to high school, she decides she's going to act all masculine um so that like the boys won't like her and the girls will think she's cute and their version of her being masculine is she eats a lot 
<laughs> and her bag is kind of messy. And by kind of messy, she, I mean, she stuffs her sweater in there without folding it. Wow. <laughs> and I'm just you like. You rebel. <laughs> what a rebel, yeah. Oh, yeah, right? But that's not feminine. So that makes her repulsive to the boys. Oh, cool. <laughs> you know, another example of a shoujo that actually handles that quite well, weirdly, is Oran High School Host Club. Which is constantly yes. trying to impose that stuff on Haruhi and it goes right over yeah. her head. And she's like, mm -hmm. why would you think I would subscribe to the patriarchy? My father makes his money in like a drag club and I make my money also in a drag club. And like yeah. they constantly kind of they flirt with that idea and then no one accepts it and they just kind of move on. And it, it's kind of played up for a joke. So I love that mm -hmm. series. It is just a delight ashley do you have any particular pet peeves you want to add uh it's like actually in thinking about it uh since i started shoujo manga podcast to try to like celebrate shoujo and like get away from like focusing on its bad parts i kind of struggled <laughs> to do it and like i've tried really hard to like everything that i've done on that podcast but like hot gimmick is the one shoujo manga where Oof. i was like this i can't <laughs> do no, I hate you. It's hot just so mean. It's just unbelievably so, it's just mean. So mean. Yeah, there's your your choices are like, it's like being stuck between a rock and a hard place. Except they're both rapists. Like one of them is a third right. party Jesus. rapist. He'll hire somebody to rape you. The other guy will rape him yourself. I mean, and it's literally the thought that she would not get with either of these men doesn't even cross her mind. <laughs> I know. <Yeah>. So like, <laughs> whatever's going on in hot gimmick is definitely just like. I can't <laughs> with whatever's no. that level but like otherwise mm, yeah the stuff with like I really like series like Oran and Maid-sama is actually my favorite series I wouldn't oh, try geez. to objectively say that that's a good series right <laughs> but like um hey, like I enjoy like, the series that deal with girls who are more masculine and struggling with femininity and ones that are also about social class so like or on a maid summer definitely like check mm. those boxes for me um and so princess like jellyfish i hope i haven't oh, read I princess, princess jellyfish, jellyfish oh you love it <laughs> oh my gosh yeah it, those are the two things so you good. like for sure <laughs> i gotta go now i know yeah gender gender presentation in class is a really way to actually wrap up well that plus like being a weird otaku but yeah you'll love it yeah it's great but yeah, like, Ma Maid-sama has the scene, like, you guys keep bringing up the scene of, like, but you're a girl anyway. I'm like, I can remember that exact scene in Maid-sama, and I think it maybe kind of subverts it because, it, it like, the next scene is, you know, some-ish, you know, the, ma the point of Maid-sama is that she works at a maid cafe. Um, mm -hmm. So her main love interest, Usui, is like, you know, you have to be careful around these weird otaku who come here. They'll, like, want to rape you and whatever. And Misaki is, of course, like, I am a badass. Like, it's fine, Usui. Get, hop off or whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, so there is a scene where two otaku do try to rape her. They, like, tie her up. Um, Yikes. And then Usui, like, senses it. So he, like, jumps in through the window. But she's already, like, broken out of the chair and, like, fought them. And he's just like, oh, well, now I just <laughs> broke your shop's window for no good reason, I guess. Like, cool. <laughs> bye. <laughs> Um, so, like, in that way, it's, like, I just feel like so many shoujo manga have, like, the best and the worst of everything <laughs> in them, yeah. almost. Mm -hmm. That's a good way to put it. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, nothing's perfect. And I think almost um, all of them address that point, like, oh, you're just a girl. And it's kind of how you handle it. And, yeah. and some series mm-hmm. handle it really well. You know, we've talked about a couple of good examples. Some of them handle it okay. Some of them handle it badly, but it's like the rest of the series kind of counteracts that. So it like kind of balances out. I would say Skip Beat is a little bit more in that category. Like the few times that the patriarchy comes up and, and stuff, it's like, it's it's annoying. And the same thing with Tokyo Crazy Paradise, which is a fucking amazing series that she did. Got kind of cop-outy by the end when it was literally about a girl dressed as a boy as a bodyguard for her classmate who's a Yakuza leader whose father killed her. No, it was like they were, they were both of the, her father, a cop, his father, a Yakuza both got killed in the same something. So she ended up oh. being his bodyguard for money. And it, it, it's amazing. Um, but yeah, they're, she's not super good at handling that stuff. But so the ones that embody the patriarchy and are constantly undermining itself, those are the ones that yeah. they really bother me. On a fundamental level, I hate what they're telling girls. I hate that they're ruining a feminine fantasy by reminding you of that. And personally, and I know a lot of other girls had done that, had have done this, that's part of the reason I started reading Boys Love was I couldn't take it anymore. And Boys Love Boys Love sidesteps that entire issue because they're not female characters in it for the most part. That I just, I couldn't take any more female characters being, being knocked down a peg, quote unquote, mm-hmm. by the story itself for no, no good reason. Just because they're like, like, this is supposed to be my fantasy, right? I don't want to hear about how even the men you like the most might rape you. Like, that's not what I'm here for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. and I'm not even talking about the stuff where you have, like, guys who are too aggressive and stuff. Like, those can be edgy and they're not for everybody. But it's mm-hmm. different from saying, oh, because you're a girl, this happened to you. And not because right. of the relationship we have or the, the kind of person he is or who you are or whatever. It's mm-hmm. like, it's that stupid because you're a girl line that was what really killed me. Because it, it right. took it outside of the relationship and made it an issue with your your entire identity as a person in this world is now, like, don't get too uppity. You know? And it just, like, yeah. bugged me. And, and Boy's Love has... Don't get me wrong, tons of its own issues. You want to talk about sexual assault. (laughs) But Boys Love also will talk about, you know, Junior Romantic is a really good example. It's something that's kind of considered pretty mainstreamy, despite being not very good. Um, Junior Romantica, you know, but still became kind of like the banner series for a while because it got so many anime episodes, which is really rare in Boys Love. That had one of the couples, one of the fundamental arguments was kind of like, I refuse to give up my job for my relationship. And... Like, it was almost, like, not even a question of, like, of course I'm not going to just give you up for my career. Or, of course I can't just drop my job, you know, for these things. That it's like, we have to balance work and life. And that almost never was addressed in the same way in Jose. And Junjo's not even that good a series, you know? But it was, like, the assumptions there that you would quit your job once you got married. That you would take a certain role, um... You know, even uke-seme dynamics being sort of a separate thing, it was like, of course you have your own life and your own responsibilities and your own kind of expectations. You live outside of this other man. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just kind of needed to read that, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? Have you read um, Fumi Yoshinaga's work? I have read so much Fumi Yoshinaga's work. Okay. (laughs) I mean, I figured, but I I think I haven't read her early stuff, but like... Because uh, I, I think she's very um, aware of all the sort of gender stuff um, and, uh, like, 
like Oku is a Jose that does a lot of interesting things about mm-hmm. like you know patriarchy and how like how flimsy of a setup it is mm-hmm. or um I read her uh quote unquote not autobiographical <laughs> manga about eating um yeah, yeah and like it has a scene where she actually like apologizes to her gay friend like I wrote all of this terrible boys love <laughs> like i'm so sorry he's like it's okay oh yeah well especially because he's like i'm a gay man if i got offended with every bad representation of me i'd never get mm-hmm. out of bed and she just looks like really horrified you know being complicit <laughs> in this and i think even mm-hmm. he said like i assumed you were basing it or like i had inspired you or something she's like oh my god i didn't even know you were gay i am so sorry please don't think that i was trying to represent anything and i mean personally to me, I, I know a lot of people have difficulty reading Gerard and Jacques, which has mm-hmm. a very brutal opening scene. I love that comic so much. I think it's like, I just, I think it's so well constructed as kind of like a, it's, it feels like a Shakespearean tragedy to me, despite being like really trashy at its core. Um, and it also did not let the Uke have like any power at any point in the story even though there was a really great part where he could have had power and she just didn't which kind of annoyed me um but i i really like that one uh obviously antique bakery is like a work of art and you should 100 percent watch the korean live action movie off of it which is like also brilliant and in, in a extended things in a really beautiful way um oku is the thing that i like the most about oku it's too long she she it's too long um yeah she it, it is yeah sort of running out of steam i heard originally it was supposed it feels to be like volumes. it's coming towards a conclusion yeah though. i mean i assume so at this point but one thing that i i, I loved volume two of that a lot because mm-hmm. it was about the beginning of when the patriarchy failed because all the men were dying and they're like okay we can't have a patriarchy i guess we're gonna have a matriarchy and everybody lost their shit like simultaneously nobody knew how to handle right. it everybody is like raping and killing each other because, like, the subversion of what they'd always known to be true, even if maybe a lot of them had not thought this hard about it, they were like, what do you mean we have to have a female shogun? Let's just go to war with each other constantly right now. And, <laughs> you know, just all kinds of things there. That is a really powerful and, and difficult read, Volume 2, but I loved it. Yeah. Um, um, it, the, I love What Did You Eat Yesterday, too. Yeah, that Sorry, I interrupted you. No, 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 that's okay. The only thing I wanted to say about Oku is that is a crystal clear example of an actual subversion of the patriarchy because people don't understand what the patriarchy is and they think that if you swap out women with men that you'll, like, get it. But she actually did that. She she swapped out women for men, like, turned the matriarchy into the... The patriarchy into the matriarchy and represented the way the patriarchy actually is. So that meant that Mm -hmm. men were valued... Men were the sex class, but they could have, you know, they could do things outside of that. But they never actually had power. No matter how much they were, they they were valued for anything. Even the sexual power they had over the women. It never gave them actual power. And they kind of, some of them knew that and some of them didn't. But there was like that glass ceiling that they always hit. And right. I've, I can't think of a single time where somebody has actually done that correctly. So I think the Oku... The brilliance of Oku is you hand it to somebody who doesn't get what the patriarchy is. And it's like, okay, this is told... A lot of them, the stories are told through the man's point of view. Like, this is what it would actually be like if you were in women's position right now. 
So I, I think it's a valuable right. educational tool that way. I just wish it mm-hmm. wasn't a trillion volumes long going through like 18 different generations of Shogun. <laughs> Hello, everyone. This is the podcast editor, Peter. Uh, this episode ran a bit long, about two hours and change. So I, I'm going to stop it here at a, sort of a natural breaking point. Uh, but I guess that means I get to do the closing this time. Uh, you can find more of our work at AnimeFeminist.com or on Twitter at AnimeFeminist, Facebook.com slash AnimeFem, uh, AnimeFeminist.tumblr.com, and we're on Patreon at Patreon.com slash AnimeFeminist. As always, if you could spare as little as a dollar a month, uh, it really does add up and help us out. About half of our donators are $1 a month patrons, and uh, it, it really helps us out. We're going to get the second half of the episode to you next week, about just over an hour from the looks of it. Uh, So thanks to Caitlin, Ashley, and Leanne, and all of you for listening. Mm